This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I am joined once again in studio with Jim Sebastio. Jim, welcome. Good to see you. Good to see you, Brian. So we're going to continue our discussion from the last time. Before we do that, let me just mention a couple of quick things. If you've been helped by this podcast in any way, would you go to iTunes and write a review for us? Help spread the word. Also, it's helpful to spread the word if you would just take a link to the podcast episodes and put it on Twitter or put it on your social media. That helps spread the word. And um, the podcast audience is growing. We're thankful. And I think it's because we're meeting needs by what we're doing. And so if you would help us do that, that would be really great. PracticalShepherding.com. Also, you can contact us and write us there. Please let us know how we can serve you in any way uh, in the future. Um, we're we're going to jump back into the conversation that Jim has been leading with, with us because we have James Carroll still here with us. And uh, Jim, so we'll, let me turn it back over to you and let's continue our conversation. Thanks, Brian. If you missed the first episode, uh, we're dealing with difficulty in ministry. And uh, kind of the genesis of this is because James and Brian wrote a book together. Uh, just came out, Christian Focus, uh, published called Facing Snarls and Scowls. And it's about endurance in ministry. And, and we spent a good bit of our time last time talking about the preacher himself and that sometimes the reason why there's difficulty in ministry and why people aren't receiving our ministry is is because we're not doing a good job. And uh, you know, sometimes there's there's fault in our own preaching, and uh, or it, sometimes maybe it's our emphasis, maybe it's uh, the battles that we're choosing and the order in which we're choosing them. And and it's very common for preachers. I've done it. I know others have done it to cast the blame outwardly and say it's it's, it's their fault. They're you know they're not they were more spiritual. They'd receive it. Sometimes that's true, but uh, we began by just saying we need to evaluate ourselves and we need to be willing to receive criticism and perhaps even where to look for some of that criticism. So that was just a, a quick recap. I want to deal with the, 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 sub, the subheading uh, to, your, to the book is you know, preaching through hostility, apathy, and adversity. So I really want to just take those headings and they're all they're dealing with with three different things uh, so uh, hostility that's you know, young guys listening to this who wants to go into ministry and mm-hmm. he thinks i'm going to go in i'm going to preach and everybody's going to love it it's going to be like you know scoring a touchdown people are going to put me on their shoulders after every sermon and <laughs> carry me out and that only happens with you man it doesn't happen with other people <laughs> not since i gained weight um <laughs> all right so um all right, so here's you've got you're done you preach preach your heart out and and you really and 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 in the judgment day honesty, you think to yourself, you know what? I, th- I think I faithfully handled the text. My heart was engaged. I think my spirit was right. Uh, I think I I preached to the conscience. I felt that I had some boldness and responses hostility. So we talked about last time. You know, you see this in examples in the scripture: Moses, uh, Elijah, Paul, uh, and, and in church history, certain people. You wrote that because not only you weren't writing out of the air. You 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 wrote that because you'd experienced it. Tell me about an experience of that, kind of what it's like, how you handled it, and how do you process that? So every pastor will face hostility in some way, some fashion, some related to preaching. So I face that in some ways, but the heart behind that portion of the book was Brian's story at Auburndale. Um, I've heard that story several times, always is meaningful to me. So I think it's probably appropriate for him to answer hostility, face it in a, a sort of an extraordinary way compared to what many of us will. Well, the, there's two pieces to the hostility, I think, that when someone experiences it as a pastor, and, and especially in the context of church revitalization, you have two things. You want potentially you're dealing with people who are either unconverted or very immature 
and have not had the word preached in a helpful, faithful way. And they just don't know how to receive it. Mm-hmm. They don't see it as important. They don't know that's the life of their own souls in this church. Mm-hmm. So they just don't respond well to They're it. They're gagging on the food. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And But, of course, have you ever tried to really just feed somebody a big meal who's a starving person? It doesn't... Mm-hmm. You know, right. it doesn't go well. And that's a lot of times what happens when guys go into church revitalization, they want to preach faithfully. The other thing that creates the hostility that is not highlighted enough in a lot of these churches where you find it is so much of it comes from the wounds of previous pastors. Man. So a young guy goes into a church, preaches his heart out, you know, got taught how to exposit text well, and comes in and preaches and people respond in a hostile way. So many pastors don't have the, the mindset to to realize that may not be have anything to do with them. It may have to do with the 30 years of pastors that yeah. did not, That's one, pastorally care for them well. And so when they stand up to preach, it's not received well. And so there's this, there's this transference that takes place in the pastoral office, no matter who it is. That then, and, then, and then they affiliate it so much, even more so, because it's that man that stands in front of the pulpit every Sunday and preaches. So a lot of times there's, there's wounds and hurt and <clears throat> things around previous pastors that make it really difficult to come in and preach. That's why it takes years to establish a preaching ministry, to let the word, the seeds of the word find good soil after preaching week in and week out, and then change comes. But the problem is when it's hostile, a lot of guys won't last. Yeah. So well, I don't know if we have time to discuss all of these things, but how, when do you discern and when do you say to yourself, you know what, I, I am, I'm dealing here with goats and not with sheep. How do you discern that? Yeah. And then how do you find the, boy, just the courage and the resiliency? I mean, who wants to go up and strike out, feel like you're striking out 15, 20, 30 times in a row? How do you get in the batter's box again? How do you get back in the pulpit and, and prepare with joy and preach with joy and expectation when everything and you're saying, they're going to hate this, they're going to hate this, it's not going to go well? Yeah. How, do you, how, do you, how do you minister in that kind of an environment? Well, your first question is about the sheeps and goats. Yeah. <clears throat> the ministry of the Word will reveal what people really are. Have you ever thought somebody was a goat and realized later on they were really just a really damaged sheep? I did, yeah, several. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's good. That's helpful. Yeah, that's right. Because yeah. you might might be tempted initially to think, you know, that's it. They're just all unconverted. Converted yeah. people love the Word. You just and, remember that you can't see the heart. And so you trust that the Lord knows the heart and yeah. he'll, he'll make the truth known in his own time. So you just minister faithfully. Yeah, that's what I, I made that mistake. And because I think I watch a lot of guys out of their hurt because of, of the way people are responding to them, it it's an easy conclusion to come to. They must not be converted. They mm-hmm. must not love the word. They're goats. And that's just, it's just, it's way too, too complex to just make a conclusion like that. So I find that we can too quickly do that. I think you have to have, you have to be able to build a relationship with the individual and have years of trying to build a relationship with them before you can conclude that they're hostile towards you because they're a goat, not because of some other reason. And I, I made that mistake. And there's people in our church still today that I, I would have said were goats three, four years in who were coming against me who uh, 
who indeed weren't and become real blessings. So we have to be careful about that. So what did you go into? Did you go in week after week in those early days of hostility, kind of with a battle armor on and uh, emotionally distancing yourself or cynical in regard to your preaching? Or did you try to go in with hope in the power of the Word and what the Spirit of God could do? Well, it depends on the Sunday. And it also depends on who greeted me at the door when I came to church yeah. and what, what conflicts I'd already faced before I even preached. But, mm-hmm. So there's an emotional roller coaster around it. Here's what I did that was significant. I printed out when I realized what I was facing and what I was battling and what I needed to be able to preach every week. I wrote out, it's me not word for word, but I basically wrote on a piece of paper that um, the, the preaching of the word, uh, the word going out and being proclaimed is brings God glory and it even if, even if the people who hear it don't receive it. Mm-hmm. And I put something like that or the joy in preaching is that God's glorified in the proclamation of his word. When it's so it sounds, yeah, my word will not return to That's me right. void. So, that so kind I, of an I, idea. Basically a mm-hmm. sentence or two, and I printed it out and, on a piece of paper, and I taped it in, on the pulpit where I could see it the whole time I preached. And it was up there for about the, the three, four, first four years where I dealt with hostility mm-hmm. in the church. By the time it was, by the time I took it down and didn't need it anymore, it was frayed on the ends, and it was just a mess. And so it, you could, t- it almost kind of symbolized the the battle that took place there. So. Uh, sometimes I'll see in a ball game, uh, uh, a baseball pitcher. Well, he actually has certain things, very fundamental things. He write they're written on the inside of his ball cap, mm-hmm. and you'll see him take it off yeah. and look at it. Oh, really? Okay. And, and put his ball cap back on. And the really amazing thing is thinking. He's he's gone through that thousands of times, mm-hmm. and he's been. Yeah, he's still saying in this moment of yeah. crisis, facing what I need to face. I need to remember these two or three fundamental things That's right. uh, about what I'm about to do. James, uh, you so you pointed that to Brian, but did you face any of that hostility? And and you so you were in a church mm-hmm. plant, and then mm-hmm. you. In Parkway, mm-hmm. uh, would you call that a revitalization, or, or was that a healthy? It's a good question. I wouldn't call it a revitalization at all. And and we've addressed the book in that way because of the growing emphasis on it. And we think it'll be helpful to men in that situation. Uh, But really, the situation I faced at Parkway was not revitalization, which classically we'd understand to be a church that's about to die and needs new life. Uh, Parkway certainly wasn't on the verge of dying. In fact, in lots of outward ways, it was thriving. Mm -hmm. Numerically, it was thriving. Even financially, in some ways, it was thriving. Um, but it was it was built on an attractional model of church growth, which involves things like pragmatism, a commitment to do whatever works, yeah. uh, consumerism, a uh, commitment to provide what we think people want, yeah. uh, even a commitment to moralism, to teach people how to be good people. And so they never had expository preaching. And in the interim time between when their last pastor left when I came, they did a church health survey. And uh, they found out that they were unhealthy or marginally unhealthy in almost every metric. Mm. Uh, but they didn't really know what to do with it because outwardly everything looked great. Yeah. So when I came there, it was a church that needed reform, but it didn't need to be revitalized okay. in Good. what we would understand that to be. And so you you had to – again, you're, you're maybe going to these illustrations you want to use. You're, you're forcing some medicine down a sheep's throat, and right. uh, they may buck a little bit with that. Or like, what are you doing? And you're saying, well, I'm being, I'm doing something healthy for you, and but yes. they don't necessarily understand that. You yeah. had some hostility. You had some people leave yes. when you started to do that, and uh, so you, it wasn't one of those immediate like big success stories. You didn't come in and fifty <laughs> no. people joined every month, and however many record baptisms. So that wasn't no. James, for the Southern Baptist listening, you should give numbers. This is a good time to do that. So I think 
every, I think most young guys beginning ministry think we're going to preach. You mentioned this earlier. People are going to preach and the people are going to carry us out in celebration. Right. Um, I think that's what Elijah expected at Mount yeah, Carmel. Sure. That they would have a celebration and he would be the guest of honor. And instead he's on the run because the queen wants him dead. And if I face that. I likened it more to veg, trying to feed the people vegetables when they've been eating candy. This is what's good for you. This is what you need. This is what will sustain you. But it, it probably doesn't taste as good going down as it did before. Right. And so, you know, when it first came, uh, the church had a, a big membership, even compared to what was attending. So about 1,400 members, they would see seven or 800 people on a Sunday. And my first season there, all the people were coming back to see the new preacher. Are we going to like him? What's he going to be like? And so our attendance swelled in the first six months I was there, running, you know, eight, 800, 850. Nice. Um, and then slowly over the next seven or eight years, um, we run around 400, maybe 450 on a Sunday morning. And so lots of people have just gone to a different pasture to, to feed so on. So when people talk about dividing a church. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So James, t- t- what happened What happened financially to the church? It must have just crushed your church financially to lose half your people like that. Well, not exactly. Of course, there have been some cuts. Our budget's not near, not quite as big as it was before, but not, uh, not significantly. But not, not, yeah, not 400 yeah. Because those are really people that were were not as active and weren't as giving, and and so what you found is, mm-hmm. and sometimes again, this is a hard mm-hmm. thing to say, but you you probably in a sense found like you found your true membership. You you know the, the right. those that were really yeah. there and those that you know, yeah. my sheep hear my voice. I mean there is that's a right. there is a part of that. I mean, Jesus says that of himself, but that's part of a, a that's a, a simply a reality of shepherds and sheep. That that's right. There were some genuine believers who decided to worship in another congregation mm-hmm. that happens so not everybody who left uh, left because they were a goat or you know right, left right. because sure, of course. because they were following the enemy some people were going to struggle they were going to struggle theologically and philosophically with the way the, the the trajectory of the church and so they left and some of those were good departures in a way uh, we send those folks with happy hearts but then others sort of leaked away because the ministry of the Word was different than what they really wanted. Did you have any kind of a letter-writing campaign, any kind of – felt like it was any kind of a smear, we've got to take James down, we've got to get rid of him, look what's happening to our church? So there was there was a letter written a few summers ago anonymously sent to several people. We don't even know who, who got it exactly. Um, I didn't sign my name. Several of our folks, several of our folks got it. And in the, you know, the end of the letter, uh, they said we need to, we need to deal with him. But but by that point, I mean, that was in the summer of 2015. By that point, I'd been there about five years, yeah. and and the church's leadership supported not just me, but but what we were doing. Yeah. So the letter fell on deaf ears, thankfully. So it needs to be said, Jim, that, that the you know everybody likes you know everybody likes the hostile story and those kind of things. And that's why I tell it. But the reality is, a lot of pastors who are listening to this who would maybe read Facing Snarls and Scowls are more in James' position, where he's got a congregation maybe that's not about to die, but it's spiritually unhealthy, mm-hmm. and it needs some some significant overhaul that's going to take need to take years and a patient person to come in and, and do that. And so I think that's why one of the reasons James' story is so important in the midst of this. So let's talk now about adversity. Uh, or sorry, about apathy. Sorry, mm-hmm. about apathy, because I, I think mm-hmm. uh, I was talking to some folks. I was overseas the last couple of weeks. And we were talking in some cases about things like open air ministry mm-hmm. and about how, you know, sometimes in open air ministry you find hostility, mm-hmm. but generally what you find is apathy. Mm-hmm. And so like I, I said, you know, almost every picture I see or video I see of a street preacher is 
nobody's there I mean, mm-hmm. and people are, are avoiding it mm-hmm. and they're not necessarily angry it's just the last thing in the world they you know it's it's ice to eskimos kind of a thing you know just uh, i don't care i don't need this i don't want this that seems strange for a church when people are actually going to church it's like somebody at a restaurant being apathetic about food mm-hmm. and yet you might have people at a church who they're at least apathetic about what you're trying to give what your burdens are mm-hmm. and so again james did was this more your you mentioned the hostility was maybe brian's thing was was this both of you was this james maybe more with you what you faced or this was the dominant reaction to the word um that i faced was apathy and so these are i think mostly believers uh people who who do love the lord immature in their faith Mm -hmm. with a little understanding um for what they needed and for the way the word could minister and build them up and so lots of folks uh, who had been attracted to the church because of the attractional church commitments. Yeah. And so they came because they appreciated what was happening. They came because they enjoyed it. Uh, but they had no real genuine desire to grow in the Word. And so when the Word is preached, they sort of shrugged about it. They enjoyed the ministries, the children's ministry and the student ministry. They were there for the singing and, and the extras, but not for... That's exactly right. Yeah, the Word didn't really appeal to them. They were fine. They didn't want to last too long because that wasn't the biggest part of it that they enjoyed. And they, they would be okay if I would just say practically helpful things to them, whether or not they're connected to the Word. Moralism. Yeah, they would get that part. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. I, I know years ago somebody made the comment that you know, whenever Paul preached, it was either revival or riot. You know, mm-hmm. So there was one of those yeah. two extremes. Yeah. Uh, but there was at least an extreme. There was, and almost with hostility, you maybe have the feeling like, "Wow, they're at least hearing it. They're really <laughs> responding to something." Yeah. Or you're trying to okay. shove that doctrine or this doctrine down our throats, and we don't. You know, it's not what we want to hear. That's in some ways, at least you know, oh, they're hearing me. That's right. And and I always felt sometimes when somebody's hostile, they're at least, boy, they're thinking about it. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. and maybe they're going to study, and and that will lead them into something better. How do you deal with apathy? Oh, that's such a hard. Not to crack. How did you, what did you see? Did you see that, did those people just wind up eventually peeling away or did you see them slowly begin to gain an appetite and appreciation? What did, what did you mostly see? Both. Some slowly peeled away. Uh, some people sort of shrugged for a while thinking he'll do this for a while. He'll realize it won't work. And then yeah. he'll come back around to do something different. Right. I think some people thought, you know, he's young. He'll he'll learn that this isn't going to be effective. Um, and some have slowly peeled away. And then and then many others have grown in their appreciation for the Word and for the preaching of the Word. And, uh, you know, that's the joy of what we get to do. The challenge of what we do is watching uh, folks who are obstinate to the Word. But the joy of what we do is watching God change people Amen. and give them an appetite for the Word. We've seen scores of people who have grown like that. And, you know, even the folks who, who shrugged about it, again, I I don't think all of them are goats. I think that some of those are genuine believers, just immature, not understanding. Um, That's, again, and, and that takes a gracious heart to be able to see that because we can find our vindication and how people respond to us. We can find our our personality and our, our our being wrapped up in that. And to be able to continue to say, you know what, I'm going to keep loving you and, and giving you this, even though you're not validating me. Uh, you're not encouraging me. I wish I could say my heart was pure in all those ways, just oh, like yeah, you're describing. Right. But it's you ask how you do it. You just lean on on the Lord and and uh, the encouragement of the Word. And so did, Isaiah, did you have guys you had to pour your heart out to and some of that? Look, guys, again, I know I see Brian's. Yeah. Brian's got uh, a lot of folks bend Brian's ear uh, mm-hmm. because of 
you know, a little bit of the profile the Lord's given you in that. And, uh, and because I know, Brian, again, one of the things you, you're going to emphasize here, would emphasize is this word endurance, um, administry, and, and not throwing in the towel, uh, yeah. not being so discouraged that you just give up. I think the, this is where Jesus' teaching the parable of sower, I think, especially so helpful. Because it gives a picture, it's a metaphor of how the word works. Mm. So the seed goes out, it's got to find good soil, but then it's got to take root and grow, and it doesn't, and then sprout out of the ground. And then it's got to grow into a full plant before it even bears fruit. So what James just described, I think, is, is a picture of what, what we see in Mark 4. The problem is so many pastors get discouraged and bail before the fruit comes, Mm -hmm. even though that's the metaphor we're given, that we're supposed to preach and preach and wait and be patient. So how do you do that, Brian, when it's it's one thing to say, you could take our Lord's parable and say, well, that's a reference to evangelization, and obviously some of these aren't converted, and it's a different, but this is the church, and these are members of the church. These are people that have been baptized, made professions of faith, and, and, and yet they're here. You know, I understand my neighbor. I understand street preaching that people have apathy or hostility. But how do you how do you not grow cynical about the the church and just say you know what you know the world's right it's all full of hypocrites and it's you know this is all just a game and how do you endure what what helps you to endure there? I would say you, it comes down to a conviction that if that you really believe the word builds the church the word is what breathes life into the church into the souls of those church members regardless on what their maturity is and that it doesn't do it instantly is what you were saying and so. You know, I've been saying this a lot because it seems to really matter. There is a there is a fallacy we believe that because the word is powerful, it's going to act quickly, mm-hmm. and that's not true. The word mm-hmm. is powerful, but that doesn't mean it's going to act quickly. In fact, Mark four teaches us, and even you read Hebrews and other th- you know passages that talk about go- you know the going you know from the milk to the food and. Right. And it's it's a process. It takes the, yeah, time. The kingdom of heaven's like leaven. The kingdom of That's heaven right. is like a mustard seed, small, and then grows into something. But again, yeah, not overnight. Yeah, and let's let's just even think about as, as someone who walks with the Lord and thinks about how God builds His kingdom. Right. You know that. It just makes sense that that's how God would build His church. Is we're the ones that are impatient and want to see it all done in three years. That's one. Of, you know, one of the the first marks of love in First Corinthians thirteen is love is patient you know, or, right. or long suffering, and it seems to be uh, one of the chief marks of the gospel. Real quick, let's talk about adversity. Uh, and what do you mean by adversity here? So this is this is different than hostility. What do you, what was in your mind when you talked about adversity? Yeah, more personal struggles that emerge from within the preacher could be health-related issues, family-related crises, financial crises, um, maybe even emotional, mental, spiritual battles Mm. within. So the different types of things that you would face in pastoral ministry and preaching ministry um, that may discourage the the man. James, what's the most difficult matter of adversity you went through or been through in your ministry? So there was a season, two seasons at, at Parkway. Um, one had to do with our living situation and where we live, the place we were renting was not going to be available. And there was about a two-week period where we weren't sure where we were going to live. And so this, just the stress of that, trying to lead my family well, and there's lots of controversy taking place in the church. And so this is a questioning, Lord, if we walked into this place and now our family doesn't have anywhere to go. And there was another season where my, my son was struggling with a, f- a physical issue. Mm. He had a, an illness that 
we didn't really know and didn't really know what the diagnosis was. So there was a couple of weeks period there. Have you ever gone through any extended period of depression in ministry or uh, anxiety related to ministry that that affected you and in, in, in the study and yeah, not I don't think I wouldn't say anxiety, um, but but depression. I don't I don't know how we'd use that term and how we would define it, but yeah, I'm given to melancholy for sure, and so there have been seasons of that. Yeah, Brian, for you, uh, when you think about preaching through adversity, and, and again, trying to preach effectively, sweetly, clearly, passionately, uh, and, and yet you yourself aren't maybe thriving in this particular season. What 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 came to your mind, or what did you write about, or, or when you think about preaching through adversity? Yeah, so I, I think two things come to mind. One is in year five, after I had endured the third attempted firing in five years. I started having physical manifestations of the stress. You had some heart issues. I did. That I still have to watch and deal with even to this day that showed up then. And so, you know, I had some physical and emotional issues. It just kind of almost like a a nervous breakdown was was felt like it was coming. And yet Sunday kept coming. Sunday kept coming. And sermons needed to be preached. That's the unique. By the way, if you're a pastor listening to this, just realize, like, what we do is so unique to anybody else because regardless of what happens in our personal life, Every six days, we preach again. Right. The and, text and, ain't going to exegete itself. And we can't stand up and go, you know, I had a hard week, yeah, so we're just going to sing uh, and go home. So, right. yeah. I feel glad to have a testimony. That's service. right. That's right. So, yeah, so I think, so that was it. And then, you know, about seven or eight years ago when, when I just went, my, my kind of, my family and my, my soul just kind of personally imploded and had to get, and that's where I started having, getting counseling and other things that, that we've talked about before as far as my story. But when I walked through that, and I had trouble. There was days where I wasn't sure I'd get out of bed uh, to try to think about trying to preach every week. Yeah, that was a. And the church was doing well. Yeah, you know, at that point. So yeah. this was that's a, a. That's the best way to define the yeah. adversity side of the book. There is. This is about our personal story. The church, everything could be going great, but if there's something with you personally that's keep is makes yeah, it a challenge. It, to right, we're not machines, and the word comes through. Yes, right. through us. So, any closing comments, James? Anything you want to share? Uh, word of encouragement to help a brother to endure. Yeah, pray the book is encouraging. Uh, first, for the man to look in the mirror for evaluation, um, and then just graciously lead the people. It's the grace of God. Any of us endure because God is gracious to us, gives us the strength to endure. Yeah. And uh, Isaiah is, is true. The words in Isaiah are true. Uh, the, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will endure. It's going to endure after we're gone. That's so, exactly right. Uh, yeah. Brian, any final word of encouragement to... No, I, I just I, a lot of you all who have know about our practical shepherding books. I really enjoy co-writing with people, and you know, I wrote the, the Pastor Soul of Jim, but um, this was re- this is just really enjoyable personally for me to write with James, incredibly gifted writer, and um, and and just he does an excellent job. He wrote a lot of this book even, and um, and he did an excellent job of just um, the way that it's written. It's really clear. And uh, we just pray it's going to be uh, helpful to you. But it's a follow-up, in a sense, to biblical church revitalization. So um, we would encourage you to get it and contact us with questions. And any questions even you have for James, even from this conversation, I would be glad to pass on to him. Just write us through the website, and we'll get those to you. Great. Thanks for serving us in this way, brothers. I'll, I'll lead us in prayer. Father, thank you for uh, these moments together, and we do thank you, Father, through hostility and apathy and adversity, that your word is still your word. You're still on your throne, and you're still able to accomplish all your purposes, and we thank you, Father, that no purpose of yours will be thwarted. 
And we thank you, Father, that there's none that can stay your hand and uh, that you're able to do with your word and through your word at, at your timetable all that you desire to be done. Father, grant to us who strive to be your servants that faithfulness to endure, uh, to persevere with love and with hope and confidence, not in ourselves and not even in our people, but, but in our God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.